0: I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate.
1: It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy.
0: Hello and welcome to Brexit The Final Countdown. I'm Rebecca Hudson and this week I am overjoyed to be joined by Femi Olawale from Our Future, Our Choice. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Pleasure being here. Recently just, well you were just evacuated actually from our, <laughs> our, our, our glamorous studios in Canary Wharf. So thanks for sticking around. My
1: pleasure. I, I signed in downstairs and basically I think the presence of a remainder set off alarm I, bells. We have
0: the alarms up here, yeah. <laughs> kind of like wrestled to the ground by a lot of our police. I mean where did it all come from? <laughs> it was kind of scary down there but thanks for, yeah... Um, fighting the power and coming <laughs> up, um, Femi, we've got eight, 65 days until Brexit and 15 days until the election. Mm-hmm. How are you finding it so far?
1: Frustrating, uh, because yeah. the conversation has been just deviated away from Brexit and into basically personality and party politics, which is just seems short sighted to me. Mm-hmm. The past three years, the government hasn't worked on anything other than Brexit. It's nothing hasn't dealt with the NHS, housing crisis, police, education because of Brexit and if Brexit goes ahead, it will be the only thing we deal with because it took three and a half years to negotiate a 12-month transition period. How long do you think it will take to negotiate a permanent trade deal with the EU?
0: One year. We've heard it loud and clear today. <laughs> one, I don't know year. what you, maybe when you were on the train yeah, yeah. your signal was not working. <laughs> I was told it was a year.
1: One, one, one year, yeah.
0: It's one year. <laughs> Many things are achieved in a year.
1: That that that, that, that maths makes total sense. Three three <laughs> Three and a half years to negotiate a 12-month transition period, one year to negotiate a permanent trade deal.
0: I don't want to say that you're talking the country down for me, but maybe you are. Um, are you impressed by the array of candidates that the parties have fielded? Do you think we are in on December twelfth? Are we kind of going to be electing the great and the good of our political class?
1: <laughs> no, no, uh, no. Uh, my okay. faith, my faith in politicians, both on the Remain and Leave side, could not be lower. Um, but unfortunately, this election isn't about them this is election is about what we want to do now there are many problems in the country that need to be addressed climate change police housing regional inequality first and foremost the fact that we have left large areas of the country behind for generations now i i think the country deserves those issues to be dealt with they do not deserve seven to ten years negotiating with the eu and donald trump this is Mm -hmm. about what the people deserve not what the politicians deserve the politicians all deserve a p-45 um, but the people deserve a lot better.
0: Okay, but so saying, so you're going to them more P45s, but say we are on like a show where each week, not unlike Power actually, not that you'd know because you have no connection to the to real people's ongoing concerns, but if you're going to sack someone first and then sack someone last, if you're going to order your uh, leaders of the party, who do you think is doing the best and who do you think is doing the worst?
1: Oh, I'd... Um to be honest, I get rid of both Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn. To be, to be what go. first week double eviction? Double double eviction. Yeah.
0: Okay, they okay. <laughs> no, fine. It's good. We're just trying to keep it real, thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else? Who else? Grace uh, uh, Winson. Come on, what do you think of her?
1: Uh, to be honest, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I know that she's obviously hard Remainer. Um, uh, should she be the next leader of the country? To be honest, I'd prefer it with someone like Jess Phillips, um, yeah. somebody who is from one of those areas that. Westminster hasn't cared about for a very long time somebody who gets the change that needs to happen in this country somebody who understands the sheer inequality that exists across the country and what and how that needs to be addressed uh, far better than I can um Mm. so someone like her would be ideal to be next prime minister um but right now again there's just been such a lack of leadership but from both remainers and leavers in, in parliament that it's it's pretty depressing, disappointing mm. to be honest.
0: How depressing did you find uh, Jeremy Corbyn's performance last night um, up against Andrew Neil?
1: <sighs> it was just, it was just bad to watch. I mean, just yeah, uh, it was bad telly. Uh, well, well, I mean, just, just, <laughs> just, just, uh, just say, all right, look, we have failed to handle anti- anti-Semitism in this party. As a result, um, people in the Jewish community feel uncomfortable w- w- with with our party, and I apologise for that. We will do better. Just say that. That's mm. all you needed to say. He was just—he's just not good at answering questions, um, which is really, really unfortunate. Given that we have this—I, is this general feeling that um, because of the anti-Semitism in Labour, uh, we can't let Corbyn uh, become Prime Minister. I'm sorry. What political? What sole political event was responsible for the largest rise in hate crime in this country in living memory? Mm-hmm. That was the Brexit referendum. We saw it skyrocket. We've seen Nigel Farage come to power. We've seen, uh, and we've seen Leave. talking about German krauts. We've seen the breaking point poster. We've seen a um, hundred EU citizens were sent deportation letters by mistake, repeating the mistakes of the hostile environment. This process that we are currently in is the biggest threat to to inclusion and tolerance in this country. And yet, because of one politician's failures, we might be trapped in that process for good it is a total lack of perspective
0: ah, so you think if uh, the Labour Party had a Jess Phillips or probably any other leader you think you would be more up- you would be throwing your weight behind the Labour Party in their position because they're the policy for a second referendum which on which they would campaign to remain um, or you would or they'd renegotiate a deal kind of speaks to what your t-shirt says and what your twitter bias says and what you're all about isn't it
1: yeah the La- Labour Party's policy is is where it needs to be right now okay um, uh, because uh, ultimately, between Labour and Lib Dem on Brexit, there's not really much difference. Jo Swinson isn't going to be the next Prime Minister, so and, and if she and if she does get a significant number of seats, those MPs will be backing a referendum, and that's what Labour's policy is. So there mm. will be a referendum. On the deal, if um, if you vote for Lib Dem or Labour, mm-hmm. and me personally, I'm not backing either one of them. I'm voting tactically because you need to vote for the person best placed to beat the Conservatives in your constituency.
0: Right. So that's so that's your message is tactical voting. Tactical voting. So yeah. you're tra- so potentially kind of asking people to disrupt kind of patterns of tribal voting that have kind of governed this country for decades and decades and decades. Well,
1: if you look at it this way, in 2017, Labour, the Lib Dem, and the SNP they got over 50 percent of the vote. Which means if we had report representation, if everybody's vote counted equal in this country, we would already be having a referendum on the Brexit deal. Whereas because of first past the post, the Tories and the DUP got a majority of seats and here we are. We've had three years of utter chaos and nothing getting done. So if, we, if that were to happen again, and that is my real fear. It is very, very likely that the majority will vote for parties that are either anti-Brexit or pro-second referendum, yet Boris Johnson will still get a majority of seats, which means we'll end up in seven, ten years of negotiations after the majority of the country voted specifically not to do that, Mm. which is why it's so crucial that everyone vote tactically. Because Boris Johnson can win this on 35% of the vote, and that terrifies me. Can you imagine 65% of the population voting specifically, give us a referendum or stop Brexit, but we still go ahead with it anyway?
0: Or 52% of the country voting to leave the EU and are still not going ahead with it, Femi. Well, let's
1: look at, let's look at that. Um, Boris Johnson, in 2016, Brexit was four words, leave the European Union. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's a 600-page treaty negotiated three years later Mm -hmm. if you signed a contract that had four words and then the other side added 600 pages of clauses to it three years later would you say that your consent had been given for that would you say well no you already signed that's exactly what's happened with brexit and as a result you have nigel farage leader of the literal brexit party saying that that deal is the second worst deal in history saying that he's actually said that in a referendum on boris johnson's deal we would vote to remain and vote remain every single time he's mm. got the pro-brexit dup a major pro-brexit party in the, in, in the parliament which is saying no we cannot accept this deal we oppose this deal so to pretend that the, 50, the full 52 percent are in favor of this is simply mathematically absurd you've got the leader of the literal Brexit party saying that this Brexit isn't good enough and that people would rather remain.
0: So you don't seem very, the problem is you don't seem very impressed by the efforts by the Labour Party or the Lib Dems to cut through. It doesn't sound, you haven't kind of bounced in here in a yellow <laughs> B, to, B to B word t-shirt, which we can't say on this podcast mm-hmm. um, or otherwise. Whereas you kind of, you know, the, the Tories have got a coherent message. You said it yourself, you know, if you want, if you want to, if you want this to end, mm in a sense, the beginning of the end, at least, Femi, you'd vote for the Tories in, in December, wouldn't you?
1: Well, that's that's the thing that's kind of upsetting about the Tories' slogan, because why would you choose a slogan like Get Brexit Done? It's because you know the one thing uniting in the country is that we're all desperate to move on from Brexit. We're all bored of it. We've heard it on, on the TV, on the news, day in, day mm. out, Get Brexit Done. It's a very strong narrative. It speaks to what people desperately want. And it's also want. what people voted mm. to do. But here's the, but here's the thing. You're, you're saying that because you know people want to be done with this issue. But... That even if Boris Johnson wins and gets a majority, and we leave on the thirty first of, of October, that doesn't end this. We, it, like I said, it took three and a half years to negotiate a twelve month transition period, and Boris Johnson is talking about negotiating a permanent trade deal. So that just use your basic maths. Three and a half years for for a twelve month transition period. We're talking about the actual future but relationship. That three and a,
0: surely that three month, three and a half year process was also because we had a parliament that seemed hell bent on thwarting the will of the British people in 2016. The, con- the Conservatives
1: had a, the Conservatives were, had a controlling majority. Boris Johnson himself voted against one version of Brexit, so we could have left a lot sooner. Yet our current Prime Minister stood in the way. Mm-hmm. And as I said. The reason why we're in this mess is because Brexit was too vague a question in 2016, as evidenced by. Jimmy,
0: what is vaguer than do you want to leave the European Union? Yes or no? Yes, I should like to go. Well, Take me out of here, please. Okay,
1: well, let's I'm let's, a British
0: citizen. Get me out of Europe. To let's look at this a way. popular TV show. Do you know what that one is?
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's look at it this way. <laughs>
0: he uh, hasn't answered, so maybe know. Uh, I'm a celebrity. <laughs>
1: uh, so. Uh, a Norway-style deal, where we basically keep following the rules of the single market, um, that would be Brexit. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Canada-style deal, where we just have basic free trade, that would be Brexit. A no-deal, which um, which t- has no deal at all with the EU, that would be Brexit. There are many different versions of Brexit. You've heard all the names. Canada, Norway, Malthouse Compromise A, Boris Johnson's deal, May's deal. Now, as we've proved, there are different versions of Brexit that different Brexit voters do not like. As for case in point... The Brexit party is against this version of Brexit. Mm. The DUP is against this version of Brexit. That itself proves that the the referendum in 2016 was too vague a question if it results in a situation where the winners do not agree amongst themselves. So given that there are many people across the country who feel that a no-deal Brexit is the only type of Brexit, because let's not forget, Boris Johnson's deal means people of Northern Ireland keep following the regulations of the EU without having any say at all. Right now, they have representation in Brussels. Under Boris Johnson's deal, they wouldn't, but they'd still be bound by those rules. So in terms of taking back control, that is the exact opposite of that. It is losing control. So to pretend that every one of the 17.4 million people who voted for Brexit in 2016 all wanted Northern Ireland to go through that is simply dishonest. That's the situation. It was too vague a question. The only logical thing is that, I used the contract example earlier, of if you sign a contract and they change the terms later... You, that's not proper consent. Now that we have the terms of of the, of that deal, that's what should be put to the people.
0: Mm. I mean, we have the ter- we have the terms of a of a deal of mm-hmm. a type of yeah. Brexit. But the, what you're suggesting, it seems from your kind of prolific social media mm-hmm. posting, is is that you want a second referendum. But that's not because you want to honour the first one. You want to try and stop it. You want to stop the UK leaving the EU.
1: Well, I mean, if you use the phrase honour the first one, you're talking about doing what the 52 percent want, yeah,
0: to leave, yeah. yeah.
1: But as, a, as I've just proven, Nigel Farage is against this deal, which means it wouldn't be doing what the full 52% want that's the point
0: maybe, do you think that's maybe the problem with the debate though is that we just talk in these very broad strokes about kind of about in or the, out yes in yeah, or out and leave that, and remain that's
1: precisely my point like I just said it was too vague a question you've but, just proven my point
0: no I haven't because it's because <laughs> because what we're forgetting that there is nothing new about wanting to leave the European Union like we don't want to be part of the European Union anymore and it's probably and it's this kind of it's yeah. all this discourse and nonsense that's kind of that slowed it down and it's the politicking mm-hmm. that has prevented the will of the British people
1: but as I, they I just, know what they wanted but I just went through about seven or so different versions of Brexit of which Brexit voters are not agreed. Mm. So that proves that it's not about... um, There is a lot of nuance in, in terms of what is Brexit. Because let's not forget... In, what does remain mean? Remain means our current relationship with the EU, which is defined by two international treaties, decades of legislation and fixed in place by the European Union Act of 2011, which says for there to be any further transfer of power to the EU level, be that EU army, the euro, Schengen, all that sort of stuff, there would need to be another referendum in the UK. So 16 million people voted for something that was specific and fixed in place. What was Brexit? It can be anything from no deal. Through Theresa May's deal and Boris Johnson's deal, a Norway-style deal, a Canada-style deal, there are a million different versions of Brexit. Why? Because there are a million different possible relationships that we could have with the EU. So it's not possible to please fifty-two percent if they wanted different things.
0: Well, we manage it every week on this podcast. I'll have you know. But thank you. <laughs> um, okay. So what? Ha- so on this uh, this ballot that you're going to have, I mean, how long is this bloody ballot paper going to be, Femi? Or well, than ne- your CV. <laughs> we've,
1: no- we've negotiated Brexit, so we've got we've got Boris Johnson. So deal. your
0: referendum would have Boris's deal.
1: Ideally, I, ideally, your, is,
0: we're living in Femi's world. So, what yeah. would what would it be?
1: Ideally, it would be Boris Johnson's deal versus membership of the EU.
0: So, Remain. Boris is all yeah. Remain, yeah. and I would to suggest that you you want to say that because you know that there are quite a few Brexiteers who are frustrated by all the caveats that you've outlined and the frustrations with Boris's deal. So, pretend So, you're kind of hoping that those people are like, "Well, eff it. We can't get the kind of Brexit we want, so we'll just bloody stay." Well, that's kind I, of what I'm gonna.
1: I'm. It's a weird situation where I'm having to quote Nigel Farage, but Nigel Farage said. Remain wins that referendum and wins it every single time. Those are his words. On a referendum on Boris Johnson's deal, Remain wins that referendum.
0: Okay. And how do you, I wonder, I assume this comes up a lot of the time, but how, when you're kind of confronted by this question, like how, like, where does this gall come from, from the kind of Remain Alliance and the, and people who want to remain to tell the 52% who did vote to leave, the, the definition of Brexit is in the eye of the beholder. And kind of, it does just feel a little bit like you're telling them that, that their vote was wrong.
1: How can that be the case? If I, if I okay, let's put it this way. Boris Johnson is saying his version of Brexit is what the 52% voted for, the 70 million people And voted we for.
0: know that there's a whole mm. pressure group party, mm. the Brexit party, that are telling us that that's not. Exactly. Yeah. Which yeah.
1: means precisely that there are, version, there are a section of the of the 52%, the voting, Brexit voting population, that want one version of Brexit and do not accept the other. And there's a section that want one version of Brexit and do not accept the other. Which means it's mathematically impossible to please the 52%. That is the problem with a particularly vague question that was asked in 2016. Now, I mean, let's use a, a concrete example. With the Good Friday Agreement, they sent a copy of the Good Friday Agreement to every single voter in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, and then they had a referendum on it, which means that they got to see the deal before they voted. Mm. We voted, and then they wrote the deal afterwards. That is not how you run a democracy.
0: No. Okay. So your issue isn't with Brexit itself. It's with the way that the process was handled. Yeah. So, you would, so you'd be happy to live outside the, the EU?
1: If, if, we, if we have a referendum and we vote to leave the EU on the specific terms that Boris Johnson has negotiated, that is democracy and any true Democrat must accept that.
0: Right. And you'll change your FB... What is that thing that they do on Twitter? Like um, FBP... What is it? Yes. You'll take all that stuff out of your I've, Tinder I've, bio I've, 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 <laughs> I've put I've all never... your blue T-shirts with the yellow stars in the wash. Is that right?
1: <laughs> I've never had that in my hashtag. But yes, I, the, 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 the argument would have been one that we should leave the EU on a specific on a specific um in a specific way.
0: Okay. So with that uh, with that kind of principle in mind, if there was a second referendum in Scotland mm. for independence, which potentially there might be if the SNP let Labour borrow their Borrow their support come December. Would you want the Scottish people to have a confirmatory referendum on the deal that Nicola Sturgeon would strike with the with with Westminster? To... I
1: think that would be logical. You uh, bloody
0: love a referendum.
1: Well, I, I think that if you're gonna if you're gonna vote to fundamentally change your relationship with your closest neighbours, you should get the specific of what specifics of what that new relationship is before you give a confirmed and final consent.
0: It's a bit like having a boyfriend and then just kind of spending a bit of time with the next one just to check that the one that you've, you're going to precisely, is the one that you've got, which, is, which I thought that, which maybe there isn't a problem with. Maybe Maybe we've been getting it wrong all along. Yeah, monogamy. You're, <laughs> you're the say. you're the carri- No, you're the Samantha of sort of sexiness. If this was if that was a Brexit Const- show, is that right?
1: Constitutional promiscuity. That's
0: yeah, the term. <laughs> put that in your bloody hashtags in your bio. Okay, so you wouldn't so you wouldn't be averse to that. So you think like do it once and then do it again. World Cup, we win in 1966, but we play another match just to check that the, the one that we just did no, worked. Is the, that right? Point, where, does it, where does it end?
1: The point is simple. I mean, even even so, uh, I don't have
0: to replay the World Cup final. Even
1: Jacob Reese Mogg in 2000 2011, mm. he was arguing about the idea of David Cameron's renegotiation and he said, if needs be you could have two referendums and if it should be you should have the second referendum after the renegotiation is complete."
0: Oh my god, it's like he's in the room. <laughs> Where is he by the way? We haven't seen him for a little yeah. while have we? I wonder what they've got him doing.
1: But that's the point. I mean, even he recognised the basic principle of, you can have a referendum to decide to fundamentally change your relationship with the EU, mm-hmm. but then once you've renegotiated that, that renegotiated relationship should be put to the people otherwise there's no democratic mandate for it
0: let's just keep doing it i agree do you think that if we had a second referendum the country would begin to heal because it does feel a little binary at the moment doesn't it, 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 it it's it, how it, everyone defines it,
1: yeah it it, it it is pretty binary at this point but i mean i mean i've spoken to brexit voters who've told me point blank if we were all on a thousand pound a week none of us would care now the point is if we fix the problems let people people so angry that they voted for brexit in the first place a lot of this of this healing can begin we fix regional inequality first and foremost, investing in those areas, especially in the north that have been left behind for generations. If we fix that, then we can start focusing on things that we all agree with. And we all care deeply about the NHS. We all care deeply about regional inequality. Find points in common and focus on that rather than the most divisive issue in the country. Mm. Then we can start to move forward together.
0: Okay, so you, yeah, so you think a second referendum kind of heals it all? Uh,
1: second referendum. Michael
0: Jackson song that's got "heal" in the title. Heal the world. <laughs> heal the heal the, mm. heal the country.
1: A, a second referendum doesn't fix anything. It simply allows us to move on to fix things. It's it's, it's about getting Brexit away. Which be, bro, it's about making the fact that Brexit is currently a distraction mm. on, on on politics, so that we can't focus on the real issues that people face in their lives. <laughs>
0: What do you, what's been the most compelling argument that you have that's converted? Because I assume you've done some conversion therapy of Brexiteers to Remainers.
1: Um, I think one of the most compelling arguments is just like, what would you want the government to be focused on for the next seven to 10 years?
0: Honouring the will of the British people, Femi.
1: (laughs) Well, most of them say um, universal credit, uh, NHS, housing, police, education. Uh, Not one of them says, I want the government to be focused all of its attentions on negotiating Um, with the EU and Donald Trump. And that is the point.
0: Okay, so you so you kind of mentioned the NHS, and um, I'm assuming you saw this morning Jeremy Corbyn had mm. his emergency press conference where he produced that 400 odd pages mm. um, of unredacted in documents about a uh, potential trade agreement with the uh, US, which would include, which he claims would include uh, putting the NHS on the table for big pharma and US drug companies. Um, do you? Are you a little frustrated with how that message just isn't cutting through? Because kind of funding for the NHS was, as we know, a huge, a big motivator for a lot of people voting for Brexit. We saw it on the side of that entirely accurate bus, <laughs> didn't we? Um, we know that kind of a lot of people voted because they just thought they wanted to protect their NHS. It's, it's such an integral part of being British. What advice would you give to Seamus Milne and the people at Labour HQ about getting that, like, you know, you could, he could really reach out to those Labour leavers with a compelling message about what Brexit means for NHS, but it just doesn't seem to be working.
1: Well, for starters, oh, let's hit the bust one one just real yeah, quick. Yeah, mention the buzz. <laughs> yeah, um, Boris Johnson said that three hundred fifty million pounds a week goes to the NHS. It goes to the EU. It goes to the NHS instead. Um, for starters, during the referendum campaign, he cited uh, the ten billion a year figure, which means that given that that adds up to about one hundred ninety-two million a week, he knew it was a lie when he was saying it. So he actually admitted the true figure at the time. Second of all, in terms of the money we give to the EU. It's kind of like a shared pot. It's like leaving the EU is kind of like saying, I'm not going to ride, I'm going to save money by not riding the bus, by riding a taxi instead. If you look at it like this, there are 40 agencies which do the stuff the governments usually do uh, chemicals regulation, um, uh, testing, medicines, that sort of stuff. Now, the cost is shared among 28 countries. If we do that by ourselves, it goes on the UK taxpayer alone. A concrete example would be the Galileo Project, a GPS system which cost $8 billion to set up by the EU. We plan to do it by ourselves at a cost of $5 billion. So $8 billion shared between 28 countries, $5 billion shared between one country. We're not really saving money. Now, on the NHS specifically... Uh, it depends who you want to believe. Boris Johnson says Brexit will be good for the NHS. Um, uh, the Royal College of Nurses, the Royal College of Midwives, the Royal College of GPs, the Royal College of Radiologists, the British Medical Association, which represents over 160,000 doctors across the UK, says it'll be bad for the NHS. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got all their medical expertise. Boris Johnson ma- majored in Greek poetry. Uh, it's up to you who you think is the better, reliable, more reliable source in terms of what's good for the health care of, con- of the country. As for Maybe his
0: bedside manner. I'm sure that must be quite alluring. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm,
1: I'm sure he can, <laughs> he can quote Plato and stuff. And, he, and pro- Plato's probably really good about trade deals. Um, <laughs> as for uh, the issues of Donald Trump, it's, it's, it's simple this way. Donald Trump, last year, he told a crowd of his fans, and he, and he's been repeating this, but he's going to end what he calls the global freeloading of healthcare. That is whereby um, healthcare systems in other countries, including ours, pay less for drugs than America pays. And we pay about a third of the price for drugs than America pays. Um, and he will make sure that in any, tra- he says in any trade deal he does, he's going to end the global freeloading and instruct his negotiators to make sure that their country pays more for drugs so that America pays less. Mm. That's what he's promised to the people who he, he's, he's relying on next year to put him back into office. So in terms of what Donald Trump's plans are, there is zero chance he will not be making, the putting the NHS on the table. As far as our ability to say no to that, well, uh, if we damage trade significantly with the EU, um, so that's a, a market of 500 million people, a pretty significant portion of the world's economy, uh, the idea that we're going to say no to Donald Trump uh, when he demands that our NHS pay more for drugs to balance it out for America doesn't really track well with me. Um, doesn't really make sense. Boris Johnson... Uh, said in 2018 that uh, the sort of deal whereby you put a regulatory barrier down the irish sea splitting up the united kingdom is something that no uk prime minister should ever agree to yet because the eu is a stronger negotiator he's just agreed to it that is his deal mm-hmm. so the idea that he's going to say no to donald trump now when he does not have a track record for that or telling the truth about the nhs as i just explained Yes. Yeah. And
0: you're pulling a face. But so why is that message not cutting through? Like why are we not seeing like it's not getting traction? Why do you think that might be?
1: Because Boris Johnson has nice messages. He's 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 a funny he's a funny guy. And I think I think people on the left need to recognise that Boris Johnson is charming. He's funny. Um uh, you're, you're kidding yourself if we you don't think he's funny. I used to think he was hilarious when he was London London mayor, but that's because I lived outside London. I know that people who live in London. Don't have different views on him, but yeah, uh, that
0: bridge that never quite materialized yeah. was, <laughs> yeah. But was I used bizarre. to think
1: I think used to, I used to think Boris Johnson was awesome. He was honest. great
0: on Have I Got News for You, wasn't yeah. it? Maybe <laughs> we should have stuck to that. Because yeah. he,
1: he is funny, he is personable. Um But if you're going to trust somebody about the future of the NHS, please. Listen to your doctors,
0: but do you think this is this is a kind of this is a problem that your side of the argument have, has? Is that all the leaders are kind of a little bit aloof, a little bit snooty? You know, if, if they might have really compelling arguments about him selling off the NHS, but if Brexit is kind of speaking to Workington man or whoever it is that's going to decide this election, isn't that kind of where you guys are, are going wrong? when you've kind of misread the electorate a little bit by not finding or not ga- kind of galvanizing around a leader that would cut through. Do you know what I mean?
1: I don't, I don't deny it. The remain left, we have had a failure of communication. Yeah. I, I It's one of the reasons why someone like me can just appear from nowhere. It's because I recognize just how bad a job people yeah, were Yeah, You're like
0: the Kim Kardashian of, of campaigning, <laughs> just sort of like, you know, that thing where they're always like, like where did he come from? I mean, you, I don't know how your origins began. I assume not quite the same as Kim Kardashian's, but, um, you know, you're but um you know, <laughs> But you just kind of, you know, sort of come to dominate so, haven't you? It's quite remarkable,
1: actually. Uh, it's been a fun couple of years, but no, I, <laughs> I, I've never met Ray J, to be honest. No.
0: <laughs> no, I think, I think best not to, actually. Um, they've lost a. So, that, yeah, you certainly, you certainly have, like, it just all sort of feels a little bit kind of sarcastic signs, middle class people on, you know, Saturday afternoons marching around London, you know, with their sort of Waitrose gags about Brexit. It was a bit snooty. And there's somebody who kind of sounds a bit like those people. I find it tedious. Do you know what I mean? Like,
1: there's been, a yeah, there has been, like I said, there's been a failure of communication. As far as the demographics of people who want one, one or the other, the younger generations don't want Brexit. It is it is clear um, every time you speak to a young person in the street, every time you speak to a young person. Uh, when I, whenever I go to schools, it is almost, I, almost, I do it just for, for giggles at, at, at this point, just basically say, all right, who here thinks Brexit is a good idea? One hand out of maybe um, 20 will go up. Uh, who thinks Brexit is a bad idea? All the hands will go up. The younger generations don't want Brexit, and it is us who will be the most affected by it. You Often you hear this argument about, well, don't worry, uh, Brexit might make us a little bit poorer, but we'll work through it. Hang on. The working age population of the UK, the under 65s of the country, on average, voted Remain. So if we're talking about working through the economy that Brexit creates, it will be the people who literally voted against that economy who actually have to work through it. Mm. It is a fundamental injustice. So as far as the people who are screaming about Brexit... It is more the young people than uh, than um, yeah, any other Democrats. Yeah,
0: so you must be kind of enthused by Stormzy and KSI, whoever mm. that is, uh, with all these tweets. Um, you would have seen that after Stormzy tweeted over 150,000 mm. under-25s registered to vote, do you think this influx of young... Are they actually going to be bothered to get out bed, firstly, and do this? Isn't students just watching Neighbours and eating homeless on toast? Is that what they do? Um, are they going to be bothered to vote, and is it going to sway this election?
1: I hope it does, because... I hope uh, it's
0: not an answer here... I, I, I hopey Jonesy stuff. I'm no.
1: I'm I'm not. I haven't done the I haven't done the polling. But I, as far as this goes, we
0: uh, I. You're quoting the YouGov poll in September that says 78 of young under 25s don't want Brexit. Yeah, but they're also the ones that just don't vote because they're hungover or texting or whatever.
1: Well, it's, it's, I'm hoping that the the, math of the situation will work in our favour. That in 2016 the election the referendum was put in June during young a lot of young people's exam periods when they were between addresses. Whereas now it's going to be in the cold, dark middle of December. Mm. Uh, so I I am hoping that uh, the young young will have a slight advantage in that in that respect.
0: Yeah. What did you think of Michael Gove yesterday taking to Twitter with his um mm. his bars from Stormzy? Uh
1: yeah. Uh, to be honest, it, it didn't surprise me because um my opinion every now and then I just I, I catch my thing thinking oh Michael Gove's not that bad um but. Fortunately, I'd recently had a reminder about what Michael Gove is when did that Channel Four interview about uh, the um, CCHQ, the Conservatives changing their Twitter handle, changing their Twitter profile to impersonate a fact-checking website. And he was just totally unrepentant, didn't mm. think he'd done anything wrong at all.
0: They botched that completely, mm. didn't they? That was that was very silly. That was a, it's a little bit of a bubble story though, isn't it? I don't think regular people care about Twitter. But, but.
1: that's kind of the point. If if not any, if not many people are realizing what they've done, then that means that people would have would have been watching that um, that uh, that leader's debate, seeing that there was a verified fact-checking account saying that everything Boris Johnson was than an saying hour. was true. And it would, have, it would have, I mean, these leaders make up people's minds about which way to vote in this election. And if you've got, if people, a lot of people would have turned on Twitter and seen, oh, Boris Johnson is clearly telling the truth because mm. this fact-checking site is saying that he is. It is so cynical and it has a bunch of effects. One it angers remainers to the point that they start and getting. You do not want
0: to piss off a sarcastic Remainer. Imagine. Well, the no, no, sign. Well, no yeah. it,
1: it, It's not the fact that it ang- angers Remainers. It's the fact that it, because it angers Remainers, it, it just makes the conversation harsher. Because right. it end up Remainers end up being more harsh towards Boris Johnson's fans because they think they're on the side of somebody who's really, really deceptive,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: as and it just sours the conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was it. It was a, it was a weird call that mm. point but at least they yeah they got who do they have out defending it nikki morgan i mean these people i just don't think know what twitter <laughs> is out talking about it um but so you're saying that these debates are kind of what's defining deciding people's views so who who do you think is performing the best sort of tell and photogenically mm. it's not Corbyn, is it yeah. last night he was like a coiled cobra he was in such a bad no more like a sort of grumpy donkey he was in such a bad mood
1: well uh yeah Coiled Cobra
0: felt felt a little sort of sexy but he was just, just <laughs> sort of slumped in the corner wasn't he all grey co-
1: and co- um, Corman, no he didn't he didn't do He's well that but but no. um uh, but I mean Boris Johnson did not do well in the BBC debate earlier either because um, mm. everyone just basically reminded him of what he is and he had no answer for it he got he got reminded that he called Gay People Tank top Bum Boys, said that compared Muslim women to bank robbers, said that black people are picking in this with watermelon smiles. Um, he also happened to say that accused Barack Obama of harboring a part Kenyan's ancestral dislike for the British Empire. He is somebody who has had some pretty... Uh, some pretty offensive stuff, and his response was to say, well, if you go through what I've said with a fine-teeth comb, um, I'm sure you can find things that can that can be made to seem, made to seem offensive.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Do you know, if this doesn't work out for you, you could probably do um, Boris, yeah. Boris Johnson impersonations, you know, that could work out, or we'll do those, like, ironic um, voicemail messages when mm. we used to um, We talk about this a lot on the podcast. Like, do you think his sort of dubious moral compass w- matters? I know it does to you Mm. but to or or to certain people but do you think it kind of cuts through like is it a reason people aren't going to vote for him because you know of some some questionable wording there will be
1: uh, some people there there were some people that that just don't care I mean I've I've heard the phrase Boris Johnson's a liar but he's my liar Uh, oh god but but I but I think uh, (laughs) I I, I think we need to be better than that as a country Mm. and in terms of just who Boris Johnson is I mean we know what he said about business F business but he knows that the Brexit he's pursuing hurts the country. In 2016, and I'm going to do this again. No, 13 He said, um, "I'd to stay in the single market. I'm in favour of the single market. I think we should have the trade <laughs> free with our European friends and, and partners." Now, that's somebody who knows that our membership of the single market is beneficial for the country. He's trying to take that away from us. Why? Because he knows that it will help him get into number ten. It's helping him keep power. It made it got him into the cabinet. It got him to number, number ten. So. And he also said that there was no chance of a no deal in 2016. He said um, that uh, that you think you really seriously believe that they would put up tariffs and a no deal Brexit means tariffs under international law. So to then try and get no deal, and I'm not talking about the last couple of months. In March this year, he he published an article saying, "Well, we can still go for no deal." Um, now. To do so, so close to the no deal deadline means he was actively trying to create a no deal. Or was
0: it just kind of, you know, cle- clever, a clever negotiation tactic? Because we all know if you kind of go in and tell everyone that you've got a bottom line and, you know, you, you, you'll you take a deal at anything, you'll get given a kind of crap deal. So he kind of needed to threaten it.
1: Well, two things. One, he was saying it so close to the deadline that if we had actually gone for, for a no deal and it was like a couple of days before it would have been a no deal. I
0: mean, we were very prepared for no deal. Did you see those lorries, that yeah. makeshift car, you know, the yeah. makeshift I'm, traffic jam? They I'm, did. I'm, I was very convinced, I'm thank, the, thank you. And the ferry
1: company with no actual boats. Um, oh, no
0: <laughs> details, Femi. <laughs> details, mere no details. We had, we had the British spirit. Yes, we're ready exactly. to go.
1: And on top of that, you've got uh, the issue of, um, well, we, we, can, we need to be able to walk away in order to get a good deal. Mathematically. A no-deal Brexit means the trade with our 27 closest geographic neighbours becomes more expensive. From the EU's perspective... From the perspective of EU countries, it's trade with one of their closest markets, which becomes more expensive. So mathematically, Brexit hurts us significantly more than it hurts the EU. So you can't use something as leverage when it's something that the other side knows hurts you more, unless you can convince them that you're actually insane.
0: I mean, it sounds like how I've kind of negotiated most of my previous relationships. So maybe I should have (laughs) spoken to you before. Um, Okay. You are a kind of career's campaigner at the moment. I'm sure you'll go and get a nice to job in a law firm eventually. But um, who, which Brexit did you most admire from a campaigning perspective?
1: So, for starters, I uh, gave. A, I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer in about September of first year. Oh, um, really? So I, I and I, I figured, all right, I don't like law because I don't like I don't trust in the morality of law. So I figured I'd go with politics in order to change the law. So it seems like a way to go and so forth. And human rights for a fair while. Um, who do I respect most on the Brexit side? Um, uh, I know I like, uh, Benedict Spence. He's, uh, he often writes the tele- Telegraph. He's a Brexiteer who I respect quite, quite a lot. He, he argues, uh, pretty well. Um, uh, Ellie Varley is quite cool. Um, right. Uh but uh, as actual, actual politician Brexiteers.
0: Yeah. Try. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I, I can't name one. Um,
0: <laughs> what compelling arguments have those Brexiteers made? That's made you think actually, yeah, we could bloody do this.
1: Oh, I mean, if you go back to the to the uh, 2016, the bus, uh, I always always say that bus nearly floored me. and that's just Were that, you in its way? That... <laughs> <laughs> because... You can use that another time. Oh, that was good,
0: wasn't
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> because like I, I, I studied EU law in two universities in two different languages and worked in the EU affairs for two years. And even me seeing, well, we send three, 350 million pound a week to the N to the EU, we can put it in the NHS. I'm like, hang on, am I even on the right side here? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that argument, cause it, it went straight to the heart of one of the things that people, British people care a lot about. Um, so that was quite convincing, but yeah. as I've just mentioned,
0: so it's Dominic Cummings then, is your, is the, is your Brexiteer? <laughs> oh yeah, he,
1: he's he's smart, um, because smart. he managed to convince a lot of people that despite, the what, like I said, the Royal College of Nurses, the British Medical Association, all saying that Brexit would be bad for the NHS, he managed to convince people that because uh, some guy with blonde funny hair says that it'd be good for the NHS, go for Brexit. No, he
0: didn't. He tapped into what you've spoken about already, which is about... You know, a feeling of disenfranchisement that lots of communities felt, and 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 maybe we've underestimated that. You know, so, the national of sovereignty and British exceptionism and all that kind of cut through.
1: Yeah, it definitely did cut. Definitely did cut through. But in uh, when I talk to people whose primary concern around Brexit is sovereignty, uh, I, I put it this way that all countries trade more with the countries that are physically close by to them. That's true with the Can- America with the case of NAFTA, Canada and Mexico, Association of Southeast Asian Nations, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. All countries trade more with the countries that are physically close to them. Now, given that the biggest barrier to trade isn't having tariffs, it's having different regulations because you'd have to adapt your product to the regulations of different countries it's always going to be on our economic interest to have similar laws to our closest neighbours, which will always be the EU. Now, if it's always going to be our economic interest to have similar laws to the rest of the EU, what's the one thing, the one thing, that all versions of Brexit have in common? We no longer get a say over the laws of the EU, which means that if we leave the EU, we're going to be in a permanent position where we'll constantly have to choose between following the rules of the EU but not having a say, which means we'll have less control after Brexit voters wanted more control, or intentionally making ourselves poor.
0: Or we can strike our own ambitious trade deals with countries from around the world without having to adhere to EU law Mm -hmm. and make more money. We could become the Macau of of the English Channel.
1: And as and as I, as I just said, all countries trade more with the countries that are physically close by. There, there is no country in the world that doesn't have a trade deal with anyone within 2,000. But I don't think
0: months. anyone's saying that we wouldn't have a trade deal, are they? Mm. But we're not saying that we need to be part of the bloc. We could, we would strike a deal with Europe, and the same we'd strike a trade deal with any other nation.
1: And, and and as I said, if 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 all countries do most of their trade, more of their trade with the countries that are physically close by, British companies will be competing primarily against European countries, and because of that shared law system, comes as the as a single market. Whereby anything made in EU countries is automatically legal to sell across any other EU country, that is an advantage that all EU companies will have over British companies in the main market that we'll be trying to compete in.
0: Mm, but we can make ourselves a more competitive place for other businesses, can't we? We can start slashing things like our business rates. We can start doing what Ireland did. You know, we, without the EU setting all their kind of laws and standards, we can we can reinvent ourselves, can't we?
1: To a certain extent, but it depends what sort of standards you want to get rid of. Do you want to get rid of um, consumer protection rules? Do you want to get rid of environmental rules? I mean,
0: I haven't thought about what standards I'm prepared to sacrifice <laughs> for me. But, but uh, you know, but things that have kind of harnessed British businesses previously, we will be we will have shaken off the shackles.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's often difficult that people struggle to mention which specific rule they want to get rid of.
0: People, me, yeah. <laughs> well, no, in, uh, Regulations in, in, on our fishing waters and all that good stuff.
1: On the issue of fishing, yeah. we sell half of the fish that we catch to the EU. Now, the EU has quite high tariffs on fish. So if, if we, even if we were to catch more, it would be uncompetitive to sell it in our main marketplace because we'd be outside of the EU's customs. people will ship it
0: to America and they can put it in SeaWorld and get rid of those shamu whales, perhaps. <laughs> I yeah, don't know, I'm uh, just riffing uh, uh, it. They should get me in the, <laughs> um, the trade envoy. Um, put on your, be a forecaster. What's going to happen on December 12th? And then, yeah, who's going to win?
1: Uh, I'd say, if I'm going to be totally honest with with you, I'd say the majority is going to vote against Boris Johnson and for parties that are offering either a referendum or stopping Brexit, but Boris Johnson will still win a majority of seats.
0: Eek. So Brexit on the 31st of January?
1: Uh, I think that's, that's the, it's currently from where we currently stand, the most likely outcome. Uh, because not enough people have realised that how how crucial tactical voting is, okay. and as a result, we'll be trapped in negotiations after the majority told Parliament, "Do not do this. Give us a referendum," and that will be very very difficult for British society to handle that the majority is going is being defied.
0: Or oh, the first of February, and we open a new chapter in in, this, a, a in the new, proud history of this great country. A
1: new chapter of negotiations with the EU, when the political declaration says we'll have comprehensive, deep regulatory cooperation, which basically means following the rules of the EU but not having a say.
0: But Femi, I will have a blue passport and a commemorative coin, and I think really that's what's made this whole podcast worthwhile. Do you I, think? I,
1: I, you, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, thank you so much for joining us. It's been It's been <laughs> enchanting speaking to him, hasn't it? Our producer is nodding. Well done for making it to the end of an episode of Brexit, The Final Countdown. If you're still enjoying The Countdown, you can subscribe for free. And if you're really enjoying The Countdown, you can also leave us a review.